welcome to a special episode of Dyslexia Canada's podcast, Sharing Stories. In these special episodes, guest hosts of the show will interview authors all about a book they have written. If you love books and reading, you're in the right place. Now, on with the show. I'd like to uh, welcome Raina to our podcast today. I'll start with my own introduction. My name is Sarah Cronin, and I'm a volunteer for Dyslexia Canada, and um, I'm also an educator and a program lead for special education. So I had an opportunity to read your book, Rena, and I sincerely enjoyed it, and it's really the first story that I've come across that explores the uh, topic of dyslexia. And um, I, I just wanted to, to say thank you for, for bringing that awareness through, through books. I'll let you introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about your book as well. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, my name is Raina Martyr-Ginton. I practiced law for many years uh, before turning to writing about uh, six years ago. And uh, my name is Layla is my first book for children. And as you noted, it is about a girl who has um, undiagnosed dyslexia. Um, and I just tell you a little bit about the book. It's about a girl named Layla, and even that is complicated. She uh, goes by uh, Monk, which is her nickname, because her mother and her brother can't stand to call her Layla because it reminds them too much of the father that's abandoned the family. So she's got a lot on her plate. Her mom works full-time as a uh, ER nurse, and she works nights. So she's not around um, kind of in the daytime, after-school hours, um, as much as, as Layla may need her. And the book basically opens on the eve of eighth grade when uh, Layla is getting ready to go to school, and she's really kind of dreading it. Um, she's a good kid. She's well-behaved. She's well-liked. She has friends, but she has a really, really hard time in school, and no one has really figured out why, and no one has, perhaps they just really haven't noticed her potential. She kind of is managing to compensate somewhat um, for her reading difficulties, you know, by the kind of person she is. And um, so that's kind of where the story opens. And we watch as she gets assigned to a new teacher, a teacher, an English teacher in the school who doesn't have any preconceived notions about her and begins to notice that she really has a lot of potential that hasn't been tapped. And this kind of really scares her on some level. So, uh, we, you know, we follow her and how it works out with her class and um, some choices that she makes that are, uh, in the end, poor choices, but choices that eventually get her the kind of help that she needs. Yes, thank you. Um, I, I do know reading the book, it was uh, very familiar to me in terms of uh, my experience in working with students who, who do have a diagnosis of dys dyslexia in the similarities in how Layla feels uh, about herself and how she sort of compensates um, and tries to hide, you know, who she is really as a person and as a learner. So I think we have a, an opportunity to, to hear you read from, from your book. Um, I believe that you have a selection already chosen. So. I do. I do. Um, thank you so much. I'm just going to read a very short portion and it happens... Um, it's, it's taken from the night before school starts. Um, she's 
in her bedroom, looking at her clothes, trying to figure out what to wear for the first day of school. And her mom comes in. And this is a scene that shows a little bit of, of the relationship between Layla and her mom. And also, you know, a little bit what Layla's thinking um, as she starts off another school year. Earlier today was classic mom. When she got up in the late afternoon from her night's sleep, she wandered into my room. I was combing through my t-shirts, trying to figure out what to wear tomorrow. She flopped down on my bed and watched me for a few minutes, like I was some exotic animal in the zoo that she hadn't seen before, like when they had the new pandas in Washington, D.C. Have you picked something out, Monk? Mom asked. I looked at the neat piles in front of me. I wanted to ask her if she remembered when she was my age how important it was to have something new to wear on the first day of school, but I didn't want to make her feel bad, so I just said no. I held up some different options, looking at myself in the mirror while mom sat on my bed, saying nothing. After a while, I think she couldn't stand it anymore because she sounded kind of impatient when she finally said, do you have to wear a shirt with some kind of slogan emblazoned across your chest? Wouldn't it be better to wear something plain and pretty and make your own statement? I looked at the shirts I'd been considering, Krispy Kreme Donuts, Taylor Swift, Bart Simpson. I guess she had a point. But then I thought about the words that the teachers would see written on a blank slate, if not tomorrow, then soon enough. Lazy, underachiever, unmotivated, daydreamer. No, a ready-made saying was safer. I pulled out the Guns N' Roses t-shirt Nick brought me at the concert he went to over the summer. I don't know any of their songs, but at least it's new. This one's good, I said. Mom sighed and got up to get ready for work. Thank you. I really like how um, you have given that sort of, um, she's, she's trying to give herself her own identity uh, through her t-shirts before someone else gives her a label. So when you were writing this book, what came first, the plot or the characters? You know, I think they're so intertwined. Um, it's, it's one of those books where really what happens to Layla could only happen to Layla. Um, she's a very particular personality. So in that sense, I guess maybe the character came first, but you know, I really, I really had a story kind of in mind about what I, how I wanted her to progress through her story and to go from where she was there the night before school to how she ends up at the end. So I don't know, that, that's a very hard question to answer. And I, I think they're really kind of both somehow developed simultaneously. Yes. So the book, the book explores many topics, but what inspired you to write specifically about dyslexia? So I was really looking for some kind of challenge that would cause a young teen to feel in some ways very frustrated, um, maybe kind of deflated, but something that was not going to be obvious necessarily to people around her. Um, you know, there, there are wonderful books about kids dealing with challenges where you can see the challenge right away, right? Like I'm, I'm thinking about like the book Wonder, which is a great book, which if you've read it or your listeners have read it is about somebody with a severe facial issue, right? a cranial facial issue. And, and it deals with a lot of the same kind of emotions and the same feelings of wanting people to understand that you, that you are facing something, that they need to be kind, that we all need to be kind to one another. But in that book, it's right there. It's very obvious, right? You, you look at this person and you say, wow, this, this person is facing something very challenging. And I wonder how that makes the person feel. And I wonder if I need to help the person. Um, but with dyslexia, it can really be kind of hidden. Layla knows that there's something 
not working right with the way that she's trying to process language and, and reading and writing. She, she knows that she has an issue, but she doesn't know what it is. And the people around her, you know, her mother, who's very well-intentioned and her teachers and, you know, until they really recognize the actual issue, they don't know what's going on with her. And, and that I found really an interesting topic to broach. You know, what, what happens when you really need to dig a little deeper to see what is happening with somebody and how you can help somebody. So that's why the dyslexia um, kind of came into focus for me as, as something to, to write about. I, I think that's a, a really exceptional point because oftentimes when, because we can't see the, the dyslexia, a lot of assumptions are made about people who have it and perhaps the behavior or the workarounds that, that people have, have developed, you know, sort of stand out more so and, and are really misunderstood uh, when it comes to understanding that, that learner, right? And it does take someone to go a little bit deeper and dig a little bit further uh, to really see, oh, something is, something's amiss here and we can't figure it out. Are the characters or is the storyline inspired by events of yours or your children's lives? No. Um, you know, everyone asks me that when they read the book and I'm, I'm always pleased when they ask because it, to me it means that I've gotten something right about the emotions and about the fears and the feelings um, that somebody with dyslexia um, might have. I, I don't myself um, have that issue and uh, my children do not have that issue. But, you know, the other thing is that I think that, you know, everybody has challenges they face. And I felt like I was really able to kind of put myself in that age range because I remember 13 and 14 years old in my own life. And, you know, I, I remember things that I went through and I remember how I felt. And, you know, it might not have been specifically a, a reading challenge or a learning difference. Um, but, you know, there, there were plenty of other things. And, um, you know, so... I, Although these particular events did not come from anything in my own life, I, I feel like I could relate to them, and I hope that other people can who don't who don't have learning differences. I hope this book is read by people that just want to learn about other people and not necessarily, you know, with that particular issue. And I think what you're talking about here is empathy, really, and understanding that everyone is has a story, right? And right. being able to understand it and take time to to really feel it is important. And I liked what you said earlier about it's important to be kind because we don't always know. It's not right there facing us. We can't always see what people are going through. You spoke to this a little bit earlier about the hopes uh, for how the reader will feel after reading this book. But I'm wondering specifically, what are your hopes for different, I guess, versions of people? So uh, your hope for the, the young person reading this book or your hope for the parents who is reading this book or your hope for the teacher who might be reading this book to their class or just on their own? So first of all, I think, I think the word hope is incredibly important. And that is really what I'm trying to get at for readers of all ages. I think that I don't want to give anything away with the story, but Layla comes close to kind of losing hope at one point. And, and that turns out to be, you know, the, the biggest thing that could happen that would be the most disastrous for her is for her to lose hope. And she makes some poor decisions that, you know, she's going to spend quite a bit of time trying to come back from. And, 
and she does come back from them. And that's, that's another really big message I hope in the book is that, you know, people are resilient and friendships are resilient and you can, you can do something that turns out to be damaging to a friendship. And hopefully if you go about it, you know, honestly and sincerely, you can repair those wounds and you can come back and, and that's, you know, those are really important messages, I think, for every age. Um, you know, and I do hope teachers read the book and parents read the book, because I think sometimes it's hard to get back into the mindset of your child. I mean, I know my, my children are 23 and 20 now, but, you know, I still am trying to sometimes get back into their mindset. And, and people have different frameworks at different ages of what's going on with them. And you know, I hope that parents and teachers reading My Name is Layla will, will plug back into that a little bit. What was it like to be in eighth grade? What is it like to worry about the kid in the back of the class, you know, making comments and making you feel bad? Or what is it like to, you know, or even um, she's got an older brother, Layla, Nick, who's, who's putting all his hopes on escaping his small town into his basketball. And what happens if something goes wrong with that? What, where, where does he left? Is he, can he come back from that? And, you know, these are all very real life situations. I mean, I saw, I saw kids on my son's basketball team get this exact injury. And, you know, if it happens to you when you're a senior and where the scouts are there and you're hoping to get a scholarship, this could really be devastating to a kid. And, you know, so, and, and like you said before, I mean, the thing that I hope people will get out of this and remember is that, you know, everyone is facing something and, and you don't know what it is, right? I mean, I, I, like, you know, when I was her age, my father had a heart attack. Thank God he lived through it and he lived another 20 years. But, you know, that was like the thing that was causing me pain and anguish as, as a 14 year old. And, you couldn't know that just by looking at me, right? You don't know when someone has a parent who's ill at home, or you don't know when someone's having a financial issue at home, somebody's lost a job, a parent has lost a job. You know, these are huge issues. And, and if we try to remember to go about our days, keeping in mind that everyone is dealing with something, you know, I, I think that that's really, really important. I don't want to give to anything away in the book. Um, I think I, I do want to comment on this point, though, that as an educator myself, working with students who, who do have dyslexia, the choice that Layla makes in the book uh, that sort of impacts her overall, it stood out so clearly to me that that her, like she felt she had very limited options and that the choice she made was better than having to face the reality or being misunderstood or being embarrassed or something. So she would rather make a bigger choice with bigger impacts than have to face that. And that really hit home, like hit my heart, knowing that, that, that kids do things because they're maybe trying to avoid something else that they feel is worse, right? And as educators, it's important to remember that the behavior doesn't define the, the, the child, right? And, and that there's always a reason sort of behind it and taking time to understand that we can't look at the child and say, well, this is who you are because you did this, right? Without, without knowing the backstory. So, so as an educator, that's how that part affected affected me and I, I know that um, myself like working with students I see it in 
manifest in a lot of different ways. But just the way it came out here, it was just so in my face. I just thought, oh, you know, that was her, that was her choice. Like that to her was the best option she had. Um, and I just thought, oh my goodness, like I really felt her there. So did you already have a good understanding of learning differences before writing the book? Or was there a lot of research involved? And if there was some research, like how was it, how did you gather that? So I definitely did some research. I mean, I was, I was familiar on a very general level um, with what dyslexia is, but I definitely did a fair amount of reading just, you know, on the internet articles, you know, the, uh, the Yale center has a really uh, big center on dyslexia. I did a lot of reading there. I also have friends whose children have dyslexia and I tried to interview them a little bit to find out about, you know, what, so, what some of the concerns would be. One thing, you know, some people have mentioned to me is that I didn't really spend a lot of time in the book talking about how um, Layla's dyslexia is addressed once they do discover that she has dyslexia. And that was really very much a decision I made to try not to do something that I was going to perhaps get wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert. I don't work with children with dyslexia. I don't myself have dyslexia. So I very much didn't want to pretend that I know how these things are worked with or remedied. Um, a number of parents told me that a big chunk of the answer is a time, you know, like giving more time for assignments, being more careful with that. Um, so I definitely put that in. Um, but, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want to pretend to be an expert when I'm not an expert. And I've, I've really made that very clear. You know, I've been going around with the book a little bit. I've been doing podcasts and, you know, I've tried to state up front, you know, I, I wanted to write something to give a voice to a dyslexic teen and so people would understand some of the concerns and some of the ways that it might manifest, um, you know, and just things that I learned along the way doing the research that, you know, that some kids find it easier to watch a movie of a book that they are reading or to do it at the same time so that they get things clearer in their head before they're reading, you know, things like that, which I then incorporated into the book. But, you know, but I really tried to make sure that, that no one would mistake me for an expert that I'm, that I'm not. Yes. I think at the end of the book, you provide some hope there um, by not going into it. I, I believe that it was a discovery of Layla's that there was help. She had no idea um, what the, you know, secret room was all about and what happened there, which I think brings it up two different points, right? Is why is that room a secret? And secondly, that it exists and that it's a resource for, for people, um, which is, you know, a different kind of conversation, but having to do with the stigma around it, right? So that she didn't know it was there or that other kids might not know why it exists and that it's actually a good thing right? So that people can accept who they are, right? As, as, and celebrate that as opposed to trying to hide it. For sure. So and I, I thought that, show that a little bit with Sammy, her friend, because he goes there mm -hmm. and he, he's got this executive functioning deficit and he, he's, he's totally comfortable in his own skin. Like nobody is cheerier than Sammy and like, he's great. And like, you know what? It's fine that he's disorganized and it's fine that he needs help. And he loves the woman who works in the resource room, <laughs> you know, and that's all good. And I think he, you know, he kind of tries to show Layla, like, you know what, it's fine. Like, it, you know, it's, it's all good. Like we're, yeah. we're all getting our help and that's, you know, 
you need help with this one day and somebody else will need help with something else another day and it's all fine. Yeah, it, that was such a nice foundation for peers helping peers and bringing more acceptance uh, to the stigma of it. Um, has anyone you know with dyslexia read this book? And if so, what was their reaction? Um, a bunch of people have. Uh, definitely, you know, I, I have been doing some podcasts around dyslexia. And so um, a number of people that um, have dyslexia have read the book. I've gotten two reactions, I would say. One is people are, and this is going to sound silly, but people are happy that it's a shorter book, that it's not a book that's going to be so challenging to actually get through <laughs> that they're not going to enjoy it. So, so that wasn't really so much by design as that just kind of where the story took me. And I I didn't want to write a 300 page book, you know, so that's, that's been good. And I think the other thing is that people have said that, you know, that I got a lot of the emotions kind of head on, like, you know, even just like at some point, you know, she, she gets a little stomach ache thinking about what's happening and, you know, just, just things like that, that there's, they're not, they're anxiety symptoms and they're not any different from anybody who's anxiety, you know, anxious about something else, I don't think, but you know, but just to remember that, you know, this is something that can cause real anxiety and can cause kids to, and as you said, like can cause kids to act and behave in ways that, you know, maybe is not, is not their first choice <laughs> on how to act or behave. And I, I think, you know, one thing I also discovered in the research a little bit is that, you know, oftentimes boys get identified more readily than girls. And I am assuming, and I, you know, this may be wrong, but I think sometimes boys tend to show it in their behavior a little more. Maybe girls are holding it together a little better. And that was another reason I kind of picked a girl to have it be the protagonist because I wanted to show like, look, she, you know, she can also get super frustrated and do something really not good. And, you know, and that's, that's okay. Like that's not really a gender specific thing. That's really just kind of a level of frustration kind of thing. And, you know, and I, I think, you know, there are a lot of aspects of the book that I I found interesting to write. I mean, I think her, her relationship with her dad, he's not really part of the book so much, but then, you know, we learn later on that he's also um, got issues with reading and, you know, and that would have been something so important to know, right, for her, because, you know, it does, dyslexia does have this genetic component and, you know, wow, what, what would that have looked like if somebody had said early on in her schooling, oh, you know, your dad is dyslexic, perhaps we need to look into this. And, you know, that could have made all the difference in the world for her. But because her dad, you know, wasn't really so involved with the family, you know, we don't have that critical piece of information until much later on. So, you know, I, I learned a tremendous amount about dyslexia and about how people cope. And, you know, I hope I, I managed to get some of it across. Um, I, th I really appreciated the emotion behind the book. Most as an educator, I, I do read a lot about various um, exceptionalities and dyslexia being one of them. And most of the reading material is very, you know, scientific and research-based. And they do try to convey some of the emotion, but it's certainly not the focus, right? And so it was refreshing to me to, to read a novel, a story that brought to life and brought feelings with it. So that was a, that was a good part for me as well. You kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but is there any one thing that you learned during your research that kind of stood out and surprised you? 
I mean, I guess the biggest thing was just how incredibly prevalent dyslexia is. I didn't really know that it affected, and I think I've read, you know, figures such as up to 20% of the population, which is obviously huge. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just really wasn't aware of it. I, I had sort of anecdotal evidence, you know, this friend's child or this cousin of mine or whatever, but I, I had no idea um, really the extent to which it affects people. And, you know, and it's hard as somebody that doesn't have that challenge, it's hard to imagine what that would be like. You know, it's, it's so, it seems so overwhelming to me. And, you know, I think coming to some, you know, to have a little more compassion about that is, is really critical for me. And I think it would be really important for kids you know, in general, because these are, you know, these are kids that are in your midst. These are generally not kids that are being, you know, necessary. You know, there are, of course, there are schools that deal primarily with language-based learning differences, and, but there are also dyslexic kids all over and, you know, in all your classes. And, you know, that, that just seems really important to be aware of. I'm wondering um, as well, if you have a message for the young people who do have dyslexia that are listening to this podcast. So I guess I would say right off the bat, you're one step ahead of Layla because you've been identified as somebody that needs certain help and, and you're get and I'm going to assume you're getting that help. Um, and that's really incredibly important. Um, and, you know, I think just to persevere and to understand that, you know, being in the game and being resilient is, you know, 95% of what's going on. I think, I think you get pegged as not pushing yourself and not trying hard. And I think that has got to be so wrong. Like to me, you know, I've, I've seen my own kids struggle with other things, not this, but other things. And, and no one tries harder than a kid who wants to succeed, right? Who wants to just have things be great. And I would just say, like, you're capable of it. And, you know, you may need help. You may need extra time. You may need whatever accommodation it is that you need, but you can do it. And, you know, you should never lose faith in yourself. One of the things that I really work hard with with my students is, is sharing that, that very similar message. So helping them really understand where, where their challenges and where their roadblocks are and then understanding how to articulate that so that they can ask for what they need. And I always tell them, you know, this is something that is such a, it, it's a blessing because you know yourself so well as a learner because you have to dissect it because you need to understand where you're tripping up and then find a workaround to make it more functional for you. And I always think that my students that I work with know themselves so well that way. And it gives them an advantage over other learners where things come naturally. Like reading, for example, if you don't have issues, um, like dyslexia for, for reading, you have no idea how involved reading actually is. Um, there's it's a multi-step process uh, that we don't really pay attention to. So someone who has dyslexia certainly begins to understand like all of the pieces that go along with it. And they really begin to understand who they are as learners and they, they benefit from that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how can listeners get a hold of your book? And are there plans for an audio book? 
So a lot of people have asked me about an audiobook, and obviously that would make so much sense for this community. And I do hope that they will make an audiobook at some point, but it's not really up to me. It's up to the publisher. So I've, I've put in a vote for that um, numerous times. So we'll see how that goes. And you can get the book. You can order it on Amazon Canada. And I believe you can probably ask for it in bookstores. They would have to order it for you. It's not going to be on the shelf necessarily because um, I'm, I'm not in Canada. <laughs> and to be honest, even here in the U.S., it's something that gets um, ordered. But definitely on Amazon or Barnes & Nobles, um, you could get it. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, I really encourage our listeners to um, contact us when you've had a chance to read this book and, and share uh, your version and your experience of reading the book with us on Dyslexia Canada. Thank you so much, Raina, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure talking with you and diving into your understanding of the importance of bringing awareness and bringing voice to people who do have dyslexia. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to find the books mentioned on this show, head over to our website at dyslexiacanada.org forward slash sharing dash stories dash podcast please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review we wouldn't be here without you